All right. Welcome back to MindWorks Podcast with Kevin Dre. Back. We back. Yes, sir. So today we're going to be talking about some interesting stuff, actually. We're going to be talking about sexuality, gender identities, things like that. My favorite topic, as all of you already know. <laughs> yes, sir. We got a lot to talk about. So we are out here. All right. So anyway, just to begin, you know, there's a lot of things. Oh, I also want to say that. Um, so this semester, I'm actually teaching a course on human sexuality. So uh, it's going to be very interesting. Remember, we're coming from a scientific standpoint, not no subjective nonsense. All right. So anyway, let's begin the topic. We got a lot to talk about here, right? So I want to actually open up this topic with the most interesting stuff that's going on in the world today in terms of sexuality. Um, so there's actually a very, so we left off in our last season talking a little bit about uh, sexuality and, you know, the question in our last episode, uh, episode five in season one was about uh, is gender fluidity a good thing for society? And I think we came to the agreement that, you know, um, it's not. Um, I mean, I think me and you came to the agreement. Uh, yeah, I think, I think, I don't I think, know about the audience. Yeah, I don't know about the audience. I mean, there's a lot, of, there's a few haters, but there's also a few people that were actually like uh, supportive of what I was saying and really said that, you know, I really appreciate you putting out this content because it needs to be said because a lot of people are scared to speak nowadays on this topic because they'll come off as transphobic or in, not inclusive or homophobic, which is not anything that I am at all, actually. I am not homophobic. I am not transphobic. I'm actually um, pro-health. I'm pro-mental health. I'm pro-help. I'm pro... Uh, I just want the world to be a better place. Um, so when I see people suffering with these specific issues that cause them mental distress, of course I'm going to speak up about it. Why wouldn't I? I mean, if my goal is to help people as a mental health counselor, that's why I came into this field in the first place, I'm going to do that. And I'm sorry if what I say offends you, but like, yeah, some of the things are real. Now, once again, before I get into these topics, I am going to say one thing. I have respect for all people from all sexual backgrounds and all gender identities. If you want to go ahead and call yourself um, a cat or a dog, or whatever the case you want, you have the freedom to do that. It's not causing me any harm. It's not causing, as long as it's not causing anyone else any harm. By all means, do what you want, do what you please, preach what you want. It's a free country. You can do what and say what you want to do to some extent, right? Or else yeah. you might suffer the consequences of getting canceled. But this is why, um, you know, it's important to talk about because it is an issue that I see as a mental health counselor arising in our society today. Um, so just to begin, once again, I have respect. I love gay people. I have so many gay clients. I have so many lesbian clients. I'm, you know, I appreciate all the work I do with them, all the deep things that they share about me in their lives. I think we need to have more uh, equality and, and support for the LGBTQ population. I think they deserve recognition. I think they deserve the help. I, I really, you know, love my clients and who I work with. And I appreciate every one of you. And I really thank you for sharing your stories and everything with me. All right. So one thing I don't appreciate, though, and you guys already know this. I do not like pedophiles. And that's why I'm, we're going to talk about today's discussion, right? Um, so, there, ooh, sorry. <laughs> so, basically, there is a book, right, that I found out about. And the book is actually written by a non-binary individual. 
Um, and they wrote that, you see, I respect the terms, right? I said they, I didn't say she, you know, she's biologically a female, the transition to a male, but I'm going to say they, right? Because I respect, once again, gender identity and things like that. But anyway, so she wrote this book that I'm very concerned about. It's called A Long Dark Shadow. Let me just see real quick. Um, where I just need to see, I just want to give you guys the actual name of the book. A Long Dark Shadow, right? That's the name of the book. By Alan, uh, I don't know, by Alan something. But it's a long, dark shadow, right? And you guys are probably wondering how I can see through this mask, right? Well, it's interesting how I can. But anyway, so yeah, the book is called Long, Dark Shadow. And what she talks about in this book is something that can be triggering for a lot of viewers. So if you don't want to hear it, you can always just, you know, stop playing this podcast. But it's going to be a little, I'm, I'm warning you guys, there's a lot to this that we're going to talk about that might be a little upsetting and it might be a little, um, you know, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of feelings can come up about this topic. Okay, so basically this book is about what she calls MAP. What is an MAP? An MAP is a minor attractive, a minor attracted person or persons, right? So what does that mean? That obviously means pedof- pedof- pedophiles, mm-hmm. Right. So in this book, she basically discusses how she, you know, I read some of the book, honestly, I'm not going to lie. I read like half the book. Um, she talks about some of the things about how she used to go to conventions for pedophiles and things like that. She is a, I think she was a social worker or something along those lines. Um, and then she wrote this book because she started recognizing that people, uh, you know, pedof- at these com- conventions, people will come out about their pedophilic behaviors. And she started to recognize that some of these pedophiles do not act out on their pedophilic behaviors. So she feels like we should have more empathy for people who have these fantasies but don't act out on their behaviors. What do you think about that? First off, I'm not going to give you a disclaimer because if you know my body, you know what I'm about at this point. (laughs) It's season two. (laughs) So if you think I have any hate towards anyone, then you don't know me. Point blank, period. Look, man. Look, man. There There is extremes to everything. And I think that it's very important for us to know when things are going too extreme to one side and going too extreme to the other side. I think moderation and that middle ground is very important. In terms of pedophiles, I'm with you on pedophiles, man. Like, pedophiles, it's, man, they they should have a certain law against pedophiles. And I, I'm sure they have certain things to minimize the effects of them in society. I have empathy for all of god's creation at the end of the day but when it comes to hurting children or or doing that kind of stuff towards children it's it's a whole different conversation totally now that's a good question how about the pedophiles who don't act on the behaviors right how about how about those Man, <laughs> I, yeah, man, I, I need a mask for this one because I don't, I don't, there's, that, there's no, you know, all right, fine. Like, there's some people who may think about murder, right? And they don't act on murdering. I don't know. What, what, what am I supposed to, what are we, what are we supposed to do? Like, here's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. I don't mind extending empathy. I don't mind extending support. I don't mind extending understanding and grace. But I think there's a limit to where it's like, okay, I don't mind this, but now is this going to be a prominent thing in our society? Is this going to take precedent over other things that are more crucial and more important for us to focus on? Do we now have to celebrate, you know, these pedophiles who they don't act, so now they're they should win 
a trophy or this. I think this is what our society has come down to. It's like, all right, fine. It started with, hey, can you know, let's start just to accept and be inclusive. And then it kind of pushed boundaries to like, all right, we want to be in it in different ways. We want, you know, this information to be for our kids and, and three-year-olds and four-year-olds to start talking about this sexuality. And I think that a lot of people were getting to this point where it's like, yo, all right, it started real light. Like, okay, you know, let's be empathetic and let's be inclusive. And now it's getting to a point where it's like, let's accept, celebrate, and cherish in a, in a certain way these ideas. And let's not only have that idea for everyone, but let's cancel people who don't have this idea and let's push these ideas towards the kids and the next generations. And I think that's when you're, you're, you're now we're getting to a, to a point where a lot of people are like, damn, I let it pass by, you know, oh yeah, because I don't want to be the oppressor. I don't want to be the bad guy. I don't want to be, you know, named all these names that they have for people like you said in the beginning, homophobic and this. They have some really hard slander towards people who have different opinions. And I think up until this point, a lot of people have tried to avoid that, try to be passive and, you know, just kind of play the sidelines. But now it gets to a point where you in the sidelines all day, you got somebody else playing the field who are going to control the game. So at the end of the day, I think it's very important to have a different set of opinions. I think it's very important for us to have these conversations because we have a certain way of articulating and presenting the information and also being critical in our thinking to mm-hmm. see both sides and ask, you know, inquire with really good questions and not, you know, play with the line of being offense but not being offensive in a way because at the end of the day we're counselors and we're therapists and, and we're mm-hmm. out here to support people's mental health and help people become the best version of themselves. So yeah, and I, you and have I, to have these conversations. Exactly. And, I, and I, honestly, I feel like with the pedophilia thing, it's a sexuality that causes harm to another individual. Like being gay doesn't cause harm to anyone. Being a lesbian doesn't cause harm to anybody. Being like a transgender doesn't cause harm to anybody. The only thing that, that you know, this is one of the sexuality, uh, this, it's actually pedophilia. Pedophilia is a disorder. You know, because it causes harm to another person. It's, it's, it's harmful to a child to experience some sort of form of sex at such a young age. I mean, if you worked in our field, you would see the trauma that kids actually experience from being sexually molested at a young age. Mm. And I'm pretty sure that's why I'm saying this is a touchy topic. So, you know, if you've been, like, raped or molested as a child, you know, please probably, like, change the, the, the channel or something because this might be triggering. Right. You know, so, like, I, I, I just want to say, like, you know, with... um. The whole pedophilia thing. This is why I'm so concerned about this whole issue with gender non-binary nonsense. Is because, like, um, you know, it, it's it's the next step after that is pedophilia and accepting that. You know, this it's like what Kev said. It's kind of getting to an extreme point that you can't really go uh, past, kind of. And I think if I were to predict the future, I'm going to tell you if you guys continue with this non-binary stuff and trying to label yourselves as they them or have no existence of a of a gender you're you're influencing that that form of pedophilia in some way because like you're basically denying the idea of differences in genders the next step is then what in a progressive society if you become too progressive it's going to lead to like more danger and stuff and i'm not saying that every non-binary person is a bad person uh preaching to be more respectful towards pedophilia right so then, you know, my thing is, like, then where do we draw the line? Where's the line? You know, so it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, a little, it's kind of scary to think about. And once again, like, I know that, kind of, that sounds kind of crazy to think and, like, 
I guess, kind of like assume and whatnot. But the reality is, is that that's that's what it seems like it's getting to to some extent. I mean, you know, it's like if you go into like this whole non-binary agenda, and yes, I'm calling it an agenda because I think it is an agenda, to be honest with you. And you want to talk about agendas, then we could talk about, you know, basically like how much how much influence of sexuality and even this whole gender binary stuff, how much of it is influenced by the media? I mean, when you think about it, you go back in time into our history, right? The, the, the term gender identity and gender norms was coined in 1950 by a psychologist named, I think his name was John Mooney, right? John Mooney. And the reason why he, st- he studied basically this idea of like gender norms and things like that. He was a psychologist who studied these things. And um, it was an interesting case study that he came about. There was a, what, what was this? It was like a case study of a kid who's, who during a, a circumcision procedure as a baby, they cut off his, his this kid's penis, I right? I that book, yeah. And um, basically this psychologist, John Mooney, or John Money, whatever his name is, he basically said that, um, that uh, he told the parents, like, you should treat this child as a girl. Right. Because you can change your gender identity and you can treat him as a girl and he'll he'll live OK. So they started giving this child puberty blockers and hormone uh, replacement therapy and things like that. And he basically as, as the child progressed, you know, he would constantly get bullied in school, whatever the case may be. And uh, eventually at the age of 30, that same child didn't believe that he was a woman. He knew that he was a man. But naturally, he knew he was a man. Like, he didn't feel like a woman. And he wrote this and, and told, his, told people around him, and people around him knew about this. And one day, at the age of 30, he killed himself. Yeah, he finally committed suicide at the end. Yeah, he committed suicide because he just couldn't take any more of, the, of this uh, uh, idea of being a woman because his penis was missing. He did feel like a man. Mm-hmm. He did feel like he was associated in the binary of a man. And I know this is just based on one case study, but then that that re, that psychologist is the one that coined the term gender identity, and that happened in the 1950s. So basically, like this whole gender identity thing is so new. It's not even like the other day I had a client, and he comes into the session and he tells me that he wants to work on his gender identity. To me, as a therapist, I felt like okay, you know what? I, you know, I had to tell him I'm not a gender-affirming therapist. Like, I don't affirm people's genders, right? Like, I'm not a gender-affirming therapist. And another thing about gender-affirming therapists is beware of them because sex research in that area of sexual identity and gender identity, sex um, gender-affirming therapy is the one of the newest things. And I'm actually mad at the APA, the American Psychological Association, for even promoting it because there's not much research on that. Yes, there's research studies that show that gender-affirming therapy does help people with transgender issues that suffer from gender dysphoria. Like to tell somebody, okay, well, if you feel like a woman, you should become a woman by taking puberty blockers and things like that. And the APA does say that this is a, a, a pretty uh, successful treatment in treating gender dysphoria. But the research studies on that are so new. Like I'm talking about 2019, 2018 reviews, like art, public-reviewed articles that are showing that. And that those articles only show like the year within the year results of that treatment, mm-hmm. not like the long term effects of that treatment. So that's an issue. And they're saying that this is a way to treat people with gender dysphoria. But it's such a new form of, of treatment that like we don't know the long term effects of it. That's definitely number <laughs> one. The long term effects, like you said, is a relatively new concept. What is going to happen in the future? What does that mean for generations to come? And also, I like the the thought of, you know, where do we draw the line? And I think because we've become such a hypersensitive society and we want to be inclusive with everything yeah. and everyone, you know, we don't draw lines. And, the you know, I think in the bad side, 
drawing a line, you, there's a group of people who is going to be outside of the line, right? So it's like, all right, so let's include these people within the boundaries, within the line, and then that just becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. So, like, where is the cap, if at all? Uh, it's it's an interesting question, man. It's it's something that definitely needs to have more conversations with. And, and, you know, the most distasteful thing about it all is if you do have a difference in opinion which offends or is not in line with the people who are pushing this these thoughts and ideas and who have the majority of influence in the internet and social media, so let's then talk you, about you get canceled, right? Like even us, one of our videos that we posted, which I thought was very appropriate, and I don't, I don't think it was offensive in any way. Like it, it didn't get streamed on a platform or two. So I think that this is gonna be, this is, it's, it's. That's the thing. It's kind of, it's, it's not fair as well. <laughs> like you know, you're, you're talking about fairness, but fairness only with the, the folks who are in the inclusivity group. But if you're outside of that, then you're the uh, oppressor. You're the ones who are not allowing things to happen properly. So. You're transphobic. You're homophobic. You're di- no, I'm not. I really am not. I help trans I help transgenders actually in, the, yeah. in this stuff. I work with transgender people. Um so like, you know, no, I'm not transphobic at all. I'm just saying like these ideas and what the media is sort of putting out there is the problem. And um talking about where this all comes from, right? I mean, um if you if you know who the CEO of Netflix is, right? I think the CEO of Netflix, his name is uh, Mark Randolph, Mark Bernays Randolph. So when you look at the history, Mark uh, Mark Randolph, Mark Bernays Randolph was the co-founder of Netflix and the CEO of Netflix. And his great uncle was Edward Bernays. And if you know who Edward Bernays is, you know that he worked for the U.S. government in, in um, the propaganda industry. And I think he did something along the lines with like convincing the idea that, you know, women and uh, women are, are it's, it's OK for women to smoke and things like that. I mean, I know it sounds kind of like, uh, like kind of like anti-feminist, but like back then it was like a, a like a bad thing for women. But he propagated this idea that women can smoke. And then that whole idea expanded and, you know, many women started smoking cigarettes and whatnot. Um, but like, you know, he, he was like a, a, the father of propaganda, basically. And Edward Bernays was actually Sigmund Freud's sister's husband. Oh, no, nephew. Oh, no, no, he was Sigmund Freud's nephew. So basically, he comes from a, he's basically a Freudian. Edward Bernays is a Freudian, and, and, and so is Mark Randolph. He's a Freudian. Um, very interesting concept, right? And they're, they're all connected. And then now CEO, the, the Netflix, he was the CEO of Netflix. And now when you look at Netflix today, it's crazy because everything is like all about transgender. Uh, they're including transgender characters. They're including a lot more, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm all for the trans, you know, including that those, those individuals, but like it's sort of getting to a realm of like, okay, now we're trying to groom people into believing that this is the, the, uh, the norm that this is, this is okay. Mm-hmm. And what does that do to people's mental state? Well, when you look at sex, sexuality research, actually a lot of, uh, a lot of um, media, a lot of research shows that media is the largest influence on people, has a large influence on people's sexualities, believe it or not. And even when you look at um, things cross-culturally, like you go to uh, the, the, I think there was, I think a, a point in China where they called it the age of homosexuality. And this was like in 200 BCE or something like that, mm-hmm. where everyone was sort of basically gay. It was like an open concept. Everyone was gay during that time period. And then um, 
after that, uh, Taoism and Confucianism came about. And that's what changed people's perspectives on the idea of being hypersexual and gay. People, you know, the yin and yang, the yin and yang, all about balance. You know, the, 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 I think the black part is the man and the white is the woman or whatever. I, I don't know what the, what the color concepts are. But, you know, that basically showed that there is a balance between a man and a woman. And you know what I mean? So they, that's what that whole idea came about in China. And now China is more of a, of a heteronormative society. Um, and yeah, and I, you know, as I'm saying this, I know it kind of sounds like I'm, I'm preaching against, uh, like, um, transgenderism and whatnot, but I'm not, I'm just sort of trying to figure out where the hell do we draw the line on this particular issue? Because obviously a lot of these kids, especially young kids nowadays, I think like the 21 to 22 year olds are the ones falling most victim to it today because when they were uh what like 14 that was like seven years ago basically so they're 21 years old today mm -hmm. those individuals are the ones that started this is where this is where all this gender identity stuff started being a popular topic a hot topic in the united states i remember even when i was um you know i've been in this field for about like what like six seven years already and i remember this was never a topic in schools mm -hmm. like gender identity issues what about i mean even when i was in high school it wasn't, there wasn't a topic of gender identity issues. We never had gender identity issues. We never had to deal with that. If you're a man, you're a man. If you're a woman, you're a woman. There's no non-binary. I don't remember ever calling somebody they, them when I was in high school. You know, it's crazy. Um, I'm on the same boat. I mean, I graduated in 07 from high school and yeah. we didn't have that. And I, and I think we were, I went to a pretty liberal progressive suburban school. So Me too. They, no, nah, it wasn't around like that. It wasn't around like that. It wasn't around at all. It wasn't a, a topic of conversation. Never. You know, differences in sexuality, yeah, that's been, you know, so, since I was young. Yeah, but. and and it's interesting because when I think about that, it um, it's basically like I was having this conversation with that client, going back to the client I was talking about, and, you know, I was telling him, because he told me that his mom said that, like, oh, um, you know, uh, you're, pro you're probably just becoming influenced by the people you're hanging around. And I, and, I, and, and like, whatever so you're being influenced to think that yeah and and i kind of agree with his mom mm -hmm. you are being influenced to think that you're literally like i don't know about him and i'm not saying him that person specifically but like if you fall into that sort of confusion at a later age like if you're because gender dysphoria those characteristics are displayed as young as two to three years old that, that's true gender dysphoria, like cross-dressing as like a three-year-old, like yeah. a three-year-old thinking you're more of a, of a woman, you put on makeup, you wear the shoes, you act like a woman. That is a symptom of gender dysphoria, which is true. But if you're like 20 years old, 21 years old, you've never had the idea of cross-dressing up until when, you know, you were probably like 16, 17, 18, 19 or whatever, and you are you consider yourself to be heterosexual, like your sexuality, you're straight, you know, then you obviously know your gender identity is... You're, you're a man. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you, you're not suffering from gender dysphoria. Gender dysphoria is a whole different uh, line of problems. <laughs> and it starts from a very young age. So, yes, there are transgenders that are actual transgenders. But now the media is pushing this sort of information and confusing people to think, like, oh, I may not be a man because I'm more, of a, mm -hmm. I'm more like, feminine in my ways. Mm -hmm. I'm a feminine man. Like I, I get, I get my eyebrows done. I take, I clean myself up pretty well. Like I like to, I'm emotional. I am emotional. Every partner I've been with, I'm an, I'm an emotional person. I, I'm very empathic. That's probably one of the reasons why I became a mental health counselor because I like helping people. I am emotional. 
And like that, am I going to say that, oh, I'm a woman because I'm emotional? No, I'm a man. I'm just, I have a feminine side to myself to some extent. You know what I mean? But I also have my masculine side too, you know, but like, I'm just saying like, you know, this is, this is, this is what it is, you know, like, um, it's causing people confusion. It's causing like, uh, people mental distress and I see it and it's not, it's not something that's going to be helpful at all. Like this, 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 this movement that's being pushed, it's an agenda. And then on top of that recently, oh man, we could go on this, on this forever, bro. Damn, I'm getting tired of speaking. <laughs> but like, on top of that, recently, Meta, Facebook, and Instagram are allowing transgenders and non-binary people to free the nipple, but they're not allowing cisgender women to do that. Wow. So basically, if you are a biological woman, but you identify as non-binary, so you still have breasts, you can go ahead and free your nipples. Can they just say they're non-binary, not be it, and just free the nipples just to put it out there? I'm not going to say what type of doctor it is, but it's a Jewish doctor. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I think, yes, you know, and it's funny that you brought in masculinity and femininity in there because I think that's a big concept, which we haven't really covered in too much about the anatomical, biological, and chromosomal differences between, you know, men and women and, and feminine and masculine traits. I, I agree. So I, I think I, I, I present a masculine frame, but with a feminine grace. Mm-hmm. And depending on how safe I feel around people and the place I'm in, then I guess I'm more of one side over the other. Yeah. And I think that is a tool that we need men to really understand and really hone in on and kind of pr- not only practice, but... Uh, um, have as part of their life because we do have both sides and as much as we have some characters out here who are just pushing this extreme versions of masculinity and you know kind of degrading men who are a bit feminine you know I think that that's not the way to do it either I think that we need to understand ourselves to kind of come to a better comfort level and also develop as within ourselves because we're all different you know, maybe some of us are a little bit more masculine. Maybe some of us are a little more feminine. But that does not mean you're a woman that the, because yeah. you're more a little feminine. Doesn't mean you're a woman. Doesn't mean you're a they them. It just means you have you're a man, born man, with feminine traits or masculine traits. It, that's that's what it is. Yeah, and I, you know, I think <laughs> it's also interesting, and I'll pose a question too because I think it's also interesting when you mention you know your client who is mother said that he may be surrounded around people who have those ideas and and being influenced. And, you know, I think that part of the reason why these types of conversation isn't put out there is because there is a lot of passion and there's a lot of emotions behind it. And folks who are not able to regulate that and are not able to really compose themselves. And when it comes to this conversation in particular, they could be hateful. And I think they do there are hate crimes as well. Like we've seen in Orlando, we've seen in other places where mm-hmm. there's targeted uh, people who are transgender, who are hom- homophobic and, and all these things. And they get hated on because, you know, they, they are, they fuel off of conversations. I wouldn't say like this one, but <laughs> conversations who, um, who don't have um, an equal balance in perception and are, and are very, I guess, overcritical um, and one very, very one-sided. 
And, you know, I think also, you know, us being from the field and us, you know, studying psychology, we know, you know, how emotions work and feelings work and all this. So we're able to really hone in on our own identity and and practice that internally, but also work with clients on a one-on-one basis and help them as well. But when we are out with certain topics and this in particular, there are other people out there who are watching who maybe don't have that balance, who maybe don't have that understanding and that capability of articulating their feelings without feeling like they need to express themselves mm-hmm. in a more hateful fashion. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not saying that I, that I hate uh, people who have gender identity issues. That is not the case. I just hate the fact that this idea was pushed on people to cause them confusion and end up in my office. And, you know, like... How do I then treat that is the question. Do I, do I affirm and say, oh, yeah, if you feel like a woman, then you are a woman. Or do I say, like, no, like, you're a man. You just have feminine traits. You know, like, it, then, then it makes me look like the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And it points the finger at me saying, like, oh, I'm the one that's, like, transphobic or gender, you know, like, I don't, you know what I mean? It's an it's a ideology. It's not a truth. It's not an objective thing that you can measure. If, if you... In this, if you psychologically identify yourself as a woman uh, when you're a man, a thousand years from now, when they dig up your skeleton, you're going to be a man to that person. So you're just living in a lie. You're not being objective in the truth of reality in this world. If you try to like, like classify yourself and say that you're a woman when you are a, by a man, you're just confusing yourself and then you're confusing other people that have to deal with you. Mm-hmm. Like I'm thinking to myself, okay, like if... If an individual says that they feel like they're a woman when they are a man, um, you know, and, and then you say that you're 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 heteros- that then you say you're heterosexual, what woman is gonna want to be with another a person that classifies themselves as a woman that's also straight? I get I get I get spun a little bit with that. <laughs> yeah, so let's say exactly. I turn into a woman, and then I'm hetero I'm a heterosexual woman. So I but you're a man. Men. So, but so I'm then, not gay. So, yeah, you're not gay, but you consider yourself straight. I'm straight. I'm a straight. But you identify yourself as a woman. Got it. And you like women. Yeah. What woman is gonna want that? I mean, like. There might be. I mean, there might be. Okay, but that's as 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 long as this agenda gets pushed, then that's what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And if you all are okay with that, then by all means do that. But at the end of the day, regardless if you're okay with it or not, you're gonna be the minority. So if you want to suffer a life of judgment because of this ideology that you believe from mm-hmm. like 90% of the world, and there's actually statistics that were done on this actually with um, mm-hmm. how the Pew Research data shows that like, um, I think it's like uh, 40% of college students and, or people ages like 14 to 21 mm-hmm. uh, n- uh, know about gender identity and non-binary stuff. Okay. And like, the, the numbers get lower as the ages progress. Mm. So, like, I think it was, like, only, like, 10% of, like, 50-year-olds plus yeah. know about gender identity and things like that and, like, mm. the whole concept of the non-binary. Right. So, like, if you do this, you know, that's a lot. That's a huge percentage that people that don't acknowledge this, you're going to go into the world trying to identify yourself as they, them. People are still going to call you he or she, depending on how you look. And those people are doing it, and they don't even care. And I'm pretty sure when you classify as it, and you go about doing it, uh, you don't even care when people sometimes misgender you. Hmm. So, like, why are you why are you allowing yourself to suffer over something like this? Hmm. Like, you're literally putting yourself in a position as a target to like dismantle your life. 
to some extent. And I feel bad because then how do I tell someone that? Like, how do I tell someone, look, the reason why you're having these problems at work, the reason why people are treating you differently is because your ideology. But what if they're suffering beforehand? What if like they're suffering? Like you said, okay, it's not, uh, it's less acceptable for a 20 year old than a three year old to, to have, you know, gender dysphoria. What did they suffer since they were three year old, but now they're 20? Well, then that, that's gender dysphoria. Like if they were suffering with these gender identity issues from a very young age, that becomes gender dysphoria. But what I'm saying is like when you never had these issues in your past, then all of a sudden you're 15, 16, 17, or 21, 22, starting to question these things. I personally think that's media influencing you to be confused. Yeah. And I wonder how many people fall into that category. Because every transgender I've worked with, like real transgender that has transitioned or is questioning transitioning, they always say that they've had this feeling since a young age. Yeah. But if I have a client that comes into my office and says, you know, I started having these feelings like like three or four years ago, I'm going to think, okay, bro, you've been brainwashed. Like you've been brainwashed by the media to think that your uh, gender identity is something based on some sort of... um, you know, issue. And remember, we have to go back to the susceptibility model. Mm-hmm. You know, like some people's personalities are more open, more agreeable, right? more able to be influenced by media. And that's, that's the problem, you know? And like, yeah, if I were to measure, you know, an individual's personality that's, that's questioning themselves at a later age, they'll probably be rated high in openness. I think there's still a lot of statistics to be done. And I think there's still a lot of factual, actual, you know, kind of very solid objective things that need to be uncovered. Um, yeah. Because my big question also is, is that person better off after the gender switch? Because I think... No, they're not. They're, well, I, I think there are some things that say, you know, there are, you know, they're still at risk of suicide and they're still generally unhappy. So short term, maybe long term, no. Because why do I say that? Because short term, they're going to feel good. They're going to be feel good to themselves. They're going to be like, okay, yes, I am a woman. I identify as a woman. Now, once they start going to live their life in a society that half the society doesn't even know what the hell that shit's about, and then they start feeling misgendered, they start feeling like criticized, they start feeling like not accepted, whatever the case may be, then they're going to go ahead and probably commit suicide. You know what I mean? Because they're going to feel like they don't fit in. Right. And that was caused by what? The confusion from the media. And I'm telling you, it's the media, man. I'm telling you, 100%. I guarantee you, 100%. If they do data on how much... And there is data on media influence on sexuality. There is that. Yeah. And even sexuality, which is even a stronger biological concept. So imagine gender. Because remember, gender and sexuality are two different concepts. Right. So like, imagine gender. How easily it is to influence someone on their own gender identity. Because there's no psychological repercussion there. If you try to influence someone that's straight to be gay or someone that's gay to be straight and they go ahead and have sex with a gay man or, you know, have a gay man have sex with a a woman, they're going to feel very repulsed and very disgusted. They're going to feel ashamed of themselves. But when it comes to gender identity, there is no repercussion there to accept that you're a different gender. So what's the solution? What's the solution for folks who are going through that um, questioning and who are going through that transition and who have not been accepted in the world since their younger ages, but now as an adult, they're more autonomous and they're able to choose and they're able to actually hone in on, you know, their dysphoria. So what's, what's the solution for those folks? And, how, and also, again, like, how do you identify 
you know, who's the judge to say that that person is qualifies for gender dysphoria and doesn't is just influenced by the media. There is no solution. And that's the problem. That's, that's what, that's what becomes the problem. I'm telling you, there's no solution. The only solution now is yeah. to affirm that individual's gender, let them see how they do, let them be the Guinea pigs, let them see how they live life, accepting that they are a woman and see what happens. That's it. That's the only way. There's no actual research that says gender affirmation therapy is, in the long term, the best route to treat something like this. Mm. There is no research because it's so new. So if you want to be part of the guinea pig system, then go ahead and be part of the guinea pig system. That's you. But I'm telling you, you have the responsibility to make that choice. And hey, I'm not going to judge you for it. Once again, I'm not judging the individual themselves to become a different gender than what they were born as. Mm -hmm. But like at the end of the day, if you choose that route, I'm telling you right now, you're lining yourself up for failure. You're lining yourself up for, for judgment, strong judgment. You're lining yourself up for uh, depressive symptoms later on in life. And you're setting yourself up for anxiety issues. You're setting yourself up for relationship failures because not everyone is there yet. Maybe one day if everyone becomes more open, just like you, but not everyone is open within their personalities. Many people are closed off as well. So I'm predicting the future here. A lot of those people, this, this generation that's going through this phase of gender identity issues, they're going to be the ones to suffer the most. And I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. There's a lot to be seen. And, you know, at the end of the day, we, we, we don't know. Like you said, it's, it's a relatively new concept. The way it's pushed is relatively new. I think that a lot of opposing voices are being silenced, which, and only are a lot of opposing voices being silenced, but the, the, the majority of the people who are able to put out these, this information, you know, they're exasperating it. They're, like you mentioned, Netflix, they're not the only ones. Um, it's, it's become part of our ingrained in, in certain parts of our society and not all, not all parts. I'm going to say, you know, us, we live in a very liberal state, new city, not even state, New York city, which, you know, aside from Cali, we were probably number one or two in terms of liberal psychology and stuff. And, you know, it remains to be seen because there's a lot of people in the States and that don't agree completely and the majority there and they're the majority in their states right now like, like we're the minority probably in in new york city in in these terms but there are it's there's a lot of differences in opinions and i'm just curious you know where it's well, gonna take us i'm gonna say one thing you know because i brought this issue when i took on this human sexuality course at, at, you know at the college i'm gonna be teaching at and when I spoke with the, the, the adjunct coordinator of the, of the department, you know, mm -hmm. she is a doctor and whatever the case may be, um, I, I told her about this issue. Like, I'm mm -hmm. like, you know, that, that me teaching this class is going to be a tough one because, you know, a lot of people today are like really like questioning gender, gender identities and sexuality and stuff like that. And um, I told her about this and she's told me, she's like, no, you have to tell the people, the students that you're going to be teaching that we are based on science and empirical evidence and if they have a problem with that this class is not for them wow and if you have a problem with that this class is not for you and this podcast is probably not for you mm. you are being brainwashed i'm telling you 100 you're being brainwashed to think that gender identity is so non-binary when in fact obviously there's societal evidence that there is a difference between a man and a woman statistically speaking uh more women have longer hair than men 
More women paint their nails more than men. More women wear dresses more than men. You know, I mean, like it's it's evidently in front of your face that there's evidence of a bin a gender binary. You know, and then like it's it's just the the minority of this non-gender binary, which I understand is for the transgenders. You got to leave it for the transgenders. You know what I mean? Like that's for them. Um, you take this concept and apply it to your own self and you're, you're like a heterosexual cisgender man or just heterosexual man. And then you're trying to become a different gender. That's just going to confuse you, man. It's going to like lead you down the wrong, the wrong path. Like to some extent, yeah. like my prediction, honestly, I'm predicting this and like whatever, maybe, but in like 10 years from now, when this whole gender binary thing, um, takes on full more popularity and becomes more popular. I'm telling you right now, you're going to see an increase in mental health issues and just mental health um, issues in general. And Hey, <laughs> I mean, it's an interesting topic because as a mental health professional, I'm here to help people. Like I'm here to literally help people. And when I help someone, I don't get paid after I finish helping that person. So do I want to keep making the individual sick and keep allowing them to come so I can get paid and make more money? Or am I going to just, because I feel like if, if I say, hey, guys, yes, be, be uh, confused about your gender identity. Be confused. Be confused. It's okay to, have, to be non-binary and things like that. If I said something like that, I'm basically helping myself make more money because then I'm, I'm, I'm basically telling you guys, like, don't do this, but I'm telling you not to. So money isn't even in my factor for me. But all those, all the media that you guys are listening to, all of that is what's making money off of you. They're making money off of you. Yeah. So this, this is what I'll, <laughs> this is what I'll pose. You know, I think it's interesting science using science as a basis because science changes, right? We we learn new things that you know no other scientific theories and stuff and and there's some stuff that don't change in science i understand that and you know i think that we i guess didn't come with once the other side of the story as passionate and as you know as researched as the other side so i i would i would suggest if you are out there listening and really thinking uh to think critically and not just take anything everything dre said or anything i said as factual, actual stuff until you really delve into the other side and you also do your research and you also think critically with other folks who are extreme and the other end of the table, right? Because I think that's the most important thing at the end of the day. Like, I don't think there's the, I yeah, I think there's a lot of information now with the internet and there's a lot of different opinions and there's a lot of different ideologies and ideas out there, but... And, and in the long run, I think that is important for us as our own individual self to see everything for what it is, see both sides and then sit down and, and say, OK, so what works the best for me and what makes the most sense and what is the most soluble? Yeah. And I think not just taking not just taking our word for verbatim or another word for verbatim. And, yes. and I think that's that's something that's very important to for people to kind of understand and really take on and really hone into because and even so like let's say you are very pro one side and you know the other side you don't really understand like take some time to understand the other side like i you know i i graduated from you know uh the intersectional feminist college of you know of the of all the states right so i i was delved into that 
And, you know, I asked, I asked the difficult questions and, I, and I, I did my readings and I really had to hone in and understand one side and then understand the other side, which I was, it was more based on, you know, how I grew up in my family and stuff. And then I had to kind of come to my own medium, come to my own moderation, come to my own middle ground that makes the most sense for me. And then also being able to be empathetic and articulate my way that either side can understand what I'm trying to say and not feel offended or ashamed or silenced or, you know, not validated. So I think, again, you got to see the whole scope and delve deeply into both sides as get as much as information as you can get as much research as you can. Maybe there are some research out there that we missed that may invalidate something that we said today, you know? So, so get it, do, do your own diligence, do yeah, your exactly. own due diligence. And, and this is, this is how I came to all this through, through my personal experiences, through my knowledge of teaching psychology, through my knowledge of like even taking on teaching us a, a human sexuality course. This is how I came to all this conclusion. I, I, and I took all this information from all these research studies and I thought critically about it. And that's why I'm making this sort of prediction from everything I know, you know, Hey, I may be wrong, but I, I do believe that like, you know, later down the road, if we continue with this gender fluidity stuff, it's, it's going to cause more mayhem. It is. Like, I, I just feel it. Like, I know based on research studies, based on working with people with gender identity issues, working with like, you know, just um, your, your average person, whatever the case is. Like, I, I hear it all the time. People are complaining about this and people are complaining about it to me on the low. So there are people that... There are a lot of people that don't agree with this. This is why I'm talking about it as, with such a strong standpoint. Because I know the majority believes me. The media is not going to put this out there, right? It's just the media is probably going to hear this on, on Instagram, whatever I post it on Instagram. They're going to limit my views on this. And I know they are. And you're going to see. <laughs> you're definitely going to see if the views. If you even see this, if they you might even block see this, They completely. might even block it completely. And it's like, low, what does that man. say? It's all low. That's an agenda. But like, I'm just oh saying, God. I'm just saying like, um, at the end of the day, I don't have anything against the individual. I don't have it. If you're, if you have gender, if you classify yourself as non-binary, I don't hate you. I love you. If you don't, if you don't classify yourself as like, uh, if you classify yourself as they, them, whatever the case may be, or you're a man classifying yourself as she, her, I love you. I just, I just don't want people to fall victim to this and then become confused to the point where they suffer mental angst because I see it literally at my doorstep in my office when clients come in. I've talked to many queer people who believe these ideologies and I hate to see them crying all the time because of these ideologies and how it splits them from their families, their friends, their coworkers, things like that. It breaks my heart. And that's the only reason why I'm saying this. Like I'm literally saying this because of that reason. And like, I, I, you know, that, that's why I'm putting this stuff out. That's why I wore this mask. Cause I knew this was going to be a sensitive topic for me. Cause I know that I care about people and I know I just want what's best for people, but people aren't going to listen to me because they're, they're, they're like becoming brainwashed and whatnot. So whatever, whatever you want to believe, go ahead and believe it. But at the end of the day, just know I love you. I'm not here to spread hate. I'm not here to like tell people. I'm just saying that this ideology is confusing people and it's causing people mental angst. And I see it firsthand, firsthand, literal experience. So Please tune in. <laughs> you know Talk what I mean? In. So anyway, um, yeah, we're going to wrap it up here yeah. and we'll just end it and we'll talk more in our next episode. Catch you in the next one. Peace out.